In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Holy Scripture shows us two Adams. We hear the first Adam in the Old Testament reading from Genesis chapter 3, and we hear the other Adam every Sunday in the Holy Gospel reading. St. Paul in 1 Corinthians calls our Lord Jesus the last Adam, the second man. The last Adam was similar to the first Adam insofar as the last Adam was a true man compared to the first Adam. There's a great difference, though, between the Adam of Genesis and the Adam of the Gospels. The first Adam succumbed to temptation before Satan. The last Adam, Jesus Christ, overcame temptation for us when tempted by Satan. Both Adam and Jesus were tempted to doubt God's word and wisdom. Satan said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And our Lord Jesus is told three times, If you are the Son of God, both were tempted to disobey God's will. The devil tells the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, that is the fruit, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Satan then tells Jesus, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And here we see that Satan knows the Holy Scriptures. And he knows how to twist them and how to turn them to make them say what he wants them to say. And if he tries to confuse our Lord Jesus Christ, he will try to confuse you and me. Unlike our Lord, who is the living word incarnate, you and I can get very confused about what the scriptures say. When you hear Satan say what he says to Jesus in this passage, and by the way, Satan is quoting Psalm 91. Did you notice he leaves out something? He will guard his angels. He will command his angels concerning you. In all your ways. Those are the four words that are lacking here that Satan purposely leaves out. He's trying to convince Jesus that, go ahead, throw yourself off. The angels will come get you, right? But is it God's will that Jesus should throw himself off the pinnacle of the temple? If he did, he would be following Satan's word and not God's word. Satan's will and not God's will. He will command his angels concerning you in all your ways. Those four words make all the difference. Both also were tempted to step out of their station in life in which they were placed according to God's counsel. Adam, when approached by the Lord God as he walked in the garden in the cool of the evening, hears Adam say, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. Satan tells Jesus, all these kingdoms of the world I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Adam was tempted in the Garden of Eden in paradise. Christ was tempted in the opposite place, the wilderness. 
Adam had everything provided for him by a holy and gracious God. Christ, on the other hand, fasts 40 days and 40 nights. Adam was a created being. Christ is the Lord of creation. Adam was tempted one time, Jesus three times. Adam fell, Christ holds fast. The first created human being had every opportunity to hold fast to the word given to him by his creator. He could have stepped into and should have stepped into this conversation between the devil and the woman. He could have put an end to the matter simply by looking at his wife and saying, remember, it is written. But he says nothing. He stands there and lets it happen. Not only that, he eats of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, voluntarily disobeying with gross regard God's word and God's will. And as children of Adam, in the lineage of Adam, we too, like him, are sinners. We too, like him, are children of wrath. Christ holds fast. He is victorious in voluntary obedience with faithful observance of the will of his Father and constant use of the divine word. Three times our Lord Jesus counters Satan with, it is written. Three times he does not yield to temptation. Three times Jesus responds to Satan's temptations with Holy Scripture, direct quotes from the book of Deuteronomy. But things do come unraveled for us, and especially for we preachers, when we preachers stand before you and say, look at Jesus and how he overcomes temptation. Go and do likewise. Amen. Well, how's that working out for you? How's the overcoming of temptation going? Usually during this season, there are people who like to give something up. For the season. I knew someone who always gave up chocolate for Lent. Ooh, that's got to be a tough one for some people. There are others who say, I'm not going to enjoy an adult beverage for 40 days, or I'm going to quit smoking, or quit this, or do that for 40 days. Some people pick up an additional discipline. I'm going to pray twice a day now, (laughs) maybe three times a day. Or I'm going to try to read through, let's say, all four Gospels in 40 days. But usually by the time we get to about, oh, early week three, we've got weak knees. And we've pretty much given up on all the disciplines or the additions to Lent. We've sneaked that piece of chocolate one too many times. And we pretty much laid down the Bible and forgotten about the Gospels. We have been tempted. Granted, it is not in the way that our Lord Jesus was tempted. However, Satan will find the sweet spot. He knows very well what your weaknesses are. And he goes right for them every time. Even the weaknesses that you didn't know that you had, Satan finds them. And he will exploit them to the best of his sneaky, crafty, slimy ability. The first created human being now must suffer the consequences of the fall into sin. Adam and the woman are ushered out of the garden. And as far as he has become a sinner, he has become similar to the devil. 
who has now made the beginning of sinning in the world. Now these two people must fend for themselves. Adam will have to work by the sweat of his brow for food. Eve will bear children in pain. Adam and Eve will struggle, struggle all the time, for who is the head of the family? Yet God does not do what he should do. Our Heavenly Father has wrath over sin. And what he does not do is wipe out Adam and Eve from the face of the earth and figure that the whole business of the human being experiment is now over. Granted, he would do something very similar to that about four chapters later in the book of Genesis, but he spared eight. And two of every living creature. Our Heavenly Father providentially cares for Adam and the woman by giving them animal skins to wear as they are ushered out of the garden. Even in the depths of their sin, our Heavenly Father's love and mercy and gracious protection still reigns over this couple. He still loves them. He still cares for them. Christ holds fast. The devil, by the time that he has done tangling with Jesus, has nothing left or say to do after three attempts. The angels of God come to Christ now and serve him as their creator and Lord. And angels too are created beings. The crown of the unseen creation Yet God does not die for the angels, beloved. They peer into the mystery of salvation and marvel at it themselves. The devil also knows, besides Holy Scripture, that Jesus is the Son of the living God. He knows it. He doesn't believe it, though. It's too inconvenient for him. So he treats our Lord here as if he is just another fallen, sinful human being. He's Jesus, the son of Mary and Joseph, that couple who was living up in Nazareth, raising his boy as a carpenter's son. Yeah, that's all this Jesus is, and so I'll attack him this exact way. Christ holds fast. Another thing about Adam and Eve here, beloved, is that so often we often think that there is no gospel in the Old Testament. The Old Testament is just nothing but one law after another, one command after another, one obedience after another. Do, 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 do. There's a lot of that talk in the Old Testament, especially when the Lord God lays down the playground rules that he calls the Ten Commandments. And says, this is how my people live. And when we stare at the Ten Commandments even today with our own eyes, we must ask ourselves, how are we doing with that? No good. Death. Still. Just as it was then. Yet already, three and a half chapters into the book of Genesis, there is gospel here. In fact, it is the first proclamation of the gospel. Did you catch it in the Old Testament reading? I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. 
When a serpent's head gets bruised, it's not going to live much longer. Its power is taken from it. At the cost of the bruising of the heel of the very Son of God, the scapegoat sent from heaven, who bears all your sin. This is the first gospel. It is the proclamation that the Lord God will do everything, literally moving heaven and earth in some cases, to keep the promise. Because he's got you in mind, and me too. Here you see, Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. Here is where the Lord God promises to send Jesus as a man and as God. He sends him here to destroy the power of sin and death and the devil. Here is what happens to Satan, not only in the wilderness, but also at Calvary. Here is where it's first proclaimed. Satan, it's over. Done. Try as you might. You will not stop this promise from happening. The countdown is on. Here, beloved, here is where Christ holds fast for Adam, for Eve, for you, and for me. And it's those three words, Christ holds fast, that are truth and life, not just this season of Lent, but every season of the church year. We just sang Luther's magisterial hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, and we sang, He holds the field forever. Jesus, you see, does not falter. He does not call a 30-second time out in order to think it over. Jesus passes on, presses on to Jerusalem. Jesus willingly suffers what we deserve for our sake. Jesus then gives us the spoils of his victory over Satan, forgiveness of sins, salvation, a good conscience, holiness, righteousness, peace with God, our Father, and the future hope, the sure and certain hope, of a triumphant parade out of the grave and into everlasting life, taunting the devil and death all the way. And at the head of that parade is the big guy, Jesus, the firstborn from the dead. I wonder sometimes on Judgment Day, after we have been raised from the dead and our bodies have been recreated into that new and heavenly and perfect body, I often wonder if right behind Jesus at the head of that parade will be a man and a woman familiar to our eyes, Adam and Eve. Christ holds fast for them, too. And his father says so in Genesis chapter 3, and we heard it again today. The curse of sin is paid in full with Jesus' blood and righteousness. This is the promise that God makes to the serpent. And you and I, like them, Adam and Eve, back then, get to hear it. Because the effect is for us. And for our children, they believed it and were saved. You and I believe it and we with them are saved. Not because we tried hard and did better. 
but because Christ hold fast. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.